0: Charlie Wright.
1: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Please contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and visit our website to hear podcasts of any and all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. Today is February 5th, 2016. I'm Charlie Wright and we're very pleased to have as our guest today Kevin. Mirabile, author of Hedge Fund Investing, a Practical Approach to Understanding Investor Motivation, Manager Profits, and Fund Performance. That's a recently released second edition of this book by Wiley Publications. So Kevin, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
2: Thank you, Charlie. appreciate being here today.
1: So, Kevin, I see that in your background, you are a professor, professor of finance at Fordham University. You have a Ph.D. in finance and economics. You have a 30-year uh, storied career on Wall Street at a number of firms, and you're a CPA. So tell us, uh, do you know what you want to be when you grow up?
2: Well, it took me a long time to figure that out, and uh, I had always been attracted to banking and finance. As a young auditor, I had the opportunity to work on some high profile engagements like Solomon Brothers and eventually I found my way to these new investment partnerships called hedge funds in the early 1980s that grew to the large institutional and high profile entities we know today.
1: Okay, and so anything about your background, Jermaine, that we we did not mention there?
2: No, I'm I'm what's called a clinical assistant professor of finance and economics. It means that I spend my time teaching students about investment strategies i teach courses on hedge fund investing alternative investing and derivatives
1: okay great well tell us uh, about your book it is written for whom and with what purposes
2: sure the the book on hedge fund investing was really designed to deliver practical insights and observations based on my 30 years on wall street and dealing with the uh, sector of the market the book focuses on why people invest the types of organizations and funds that offer the different strategies that we commonly call hedge funds, and importantly, how to do research and due diligence when evaluating a fund, when evaluating a manager for a potential investment, to make sure you pick the manager that can both deliver returns and reduce risk.
1: So let's begin with the question here, uh, Kevin. There are about 8,000 stocks. There are about 15,000 mutual funds. There are hundreds of ETFs. There are lots of REITs and other publicly traded um, investments. So tell us, why should the private investor even get involved or be focused on in any way the 10,000 hedge funds?
2: Well, I think hedge funds are important to the private investor for a variety of reasons. The primary one is that they reduce risk. In other words... Hedge funds have profits and have losses, just like traditional stock and bond and ETF investments. But they tend to have their losses at the time when your traditional investments are having gains, and they tend to have their gains when your traditional investments are losing money. So, for example, in 2008, when the market was down 40%, hedge funds were only down 10 to 20%. So they act as diversifiers, and in the best scenario, when you combine hedge fund investments with traditional investments, you get to reduce your risk and increase your return at the same time.
1: But again, one of the big challenges with hedge funds is that they're typically illiquid or limited liquidity, and they typically have these very high minimum requirements so that the vast majority of the private investors are locked out of them. So how do you recommend that the private investor deal with that?
2: That's absolutely right. So for the majority of the first 30 years of the hedge fund industry, an investor had to be accredited, an investor had to be high net worth in order to invest in a hedge fund in the first place. And when he did, he might not be able to get his money back on a uh, daily basis. He can only get it back on a quarterly, semi-annual, etc. Well, what's happened over time is, The hedge fund industry has migrated, and now today, many hedge fund strategies are being offered as mutual funds. These mutual funds that are offered by some of the leading brand names, like AQR and other hedge fund houses, now offer a product in a mutual fund wrapper that is available to the individual investor, with a minimum investment sometimes as low as $2,500 dollars. These are referred to as liquid alternative investments, and it's actually the highest growth area in the hedge fund world. The assets under management are now approximately 15 to 20% of all the assets under management in the hedge fund space. So it's no longer a private fund structure and illiquid market. There are now plenty of opportunities for retail investors to participate in this space.
1: Okay, so so tell us one of the things that uh, uh, is a challenge of that is that the fees are so high for hedge funds, the typically typical two and twenty. Uh, is that still the case, or are they being more reasonable these days? How how's that working?
2: Well, for the private funds, they historically had offered their products at a two and twenty fee structure, as you suggest, but over time those pressures on the fees from institutional investors, and the market now is made up of many more institutions and pension plans than individuals, those fees on private funds have actually come down quite a bit. So if you look at the recent data, the typical hedge fund fee is more like 1.5 and 15. Having said that, these new liquid alternative investments, well, they're not allowed, because they're mutual funds, to charge performance fees at all. So what they charge is effectively a management fee only, and yes, it may be one and a half to two percent higher than the traditional active stock fund. But I believe when you look at the risk and the return profile, it's well worth the additional
1: fee. Well, that's encouraging news here. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us about some of the research that you did and some of the things you found in doing the research for this book, here, Kevin.
2: Well. One of the things was that you really can't look at hedge funds as an asset class. In fact, if you think about it, a hedge fund is a legal entity. It's a limited partnership investment, similar to the way a mutual fund is a structure, not a type of investment. When you're looking at hedge funds, you really need to look at the underlying strategies. There are four major strategies. You have long-short equity, you have global macro, you have event-driven, and you have a relative value and one of the things that you'll see is in any given year let's take last year for example you can have a situation where on average hedge funds produced a very small return say one percent but a subcategory for example equity long short funds last year were up two percent event-driven funds were down four and a half percent So one of the key things is that you have to be very specific when looking at hedge fund investments. Each of the hedge fund managers and products that are offered, whether they're private funds or mutual funds, are very bespoke and unique. And you have to look at each specific fund because the dispersion of returns across managers is relatively high.
1: You know, I appreciate that because uh, we've seen over the past actually year or longer – Uh, fairly often repeatedly articles in the financial, uh, industry newspapers and journals that hedge funds are underperforming the marketplace. And I always wondered how can they even compare them? Because uh, like you say, they have these very different strategies that very often are designed to be counter cyclical to uh, the the, uh, the stock market and fixed income investments and and the like, and to to lump them all together as one just makes no sense, and it's a statistic that is worthless.
2: That's correct. And, and you know what? you know we do hear that phrase all the time that since two thousand eight hedge funds in total have underperformed the s & P. Well, it doesn't mean that every hedge fund strategy is underperformed, but most importantly, that's an absolute return comparison you're simply saying, did the S&P earn more or less than a hedge fund strategy? It doesn't consider risk. And despite the association of hedge funds perhaps at times with more risk, they're actually lower risk investments than investing in the stock market. Because they can hedge, as the name implies, because they can borrow money to amplify their winning picks and short sell stocks to make money when the market falls, hedge funds from a statistical perspective, actually have lower volatility, the measure of risk, relative to their return. So in many cases, you'll find hedge funds have a higher return for unit of risk. So my response would be, yes, it's true that hedge funds in total may have underperformed, but you have to look a little bit deeper and think about specific strategies as well as the return for unit of risk.
1: Yeah, and those are excellent points that uh, I have recognized for some time, but somehow the Wall Street Journal and others uh, don't seem to. Kevin, uh, we need to stop and take a short break. Here we're talking with Karen, uh, Kevin Mirab. Pronounce that for me again, here, Kevin. Kevin Mirabile. Mirabile. Kevin Mirabile, author of Hedge Fund Investing, A Practical Approach to Understanding Investor Motivation, Manager Profits, and Fund Performance. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back.
0: According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel, if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com.
3: And now back to Charlie and his guest.
1: Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Kevin Mirabile, author of Hedge Fund Investing. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And so Kevin, uh, questioned that, uh, uh s- some things I have heard about, uh, hedge funds over the years, and that, that, that is that there has been a, uh, a, a brain drain from mutual funds to hedge funds because of the, uh, high profile of many of their people and the high income that they purportedly make. Uh, From your experience, uh, is that the case?
2: I think that's a fair assessment that, you know, over time, uh, due to the fact that the hedge fund manager can charge a performance fee and can run his own business uh, and have more flexibility, he's allowed to borrow money, sell short, or use derivatives. Over the years, you've seen many high-profile exits from the traditional mutual fund space, Uh, to the hedge fund space to a certain degree that is reversing now as we find mutual funds looking to offer hedge fund strategies so we're starting to see many of the best and brightest long only mutual fund managers be allowed to experiment or offer hedge funds under their brand name wrapper. so uh, i think it is true that in the first 20 30 years of the industry a lot of the talent migrated not just from mutual funds but also from the bank Proprietary trading desks to the hedge fund environment, which gave managers more flexibility and discretion. But we are seeing some of that reverse today, where mutual funds are trying to attract their own in-house hedge fund managers to service their mutual fund clients.
1: Very interesting. Uh, So one of the common strategies that you mentioned was was uh, long short equity, and I believe that was. The first strategy of hedge funds when they started, Uh, when did hedge funds start? Wasn't it back in the 1940s?
2: You can go back to Alfred Winslow Jones, who launched a hedge fund in the 1960s, and he was one of the first uh, managers to offer his friends and family an opportunity to invest as limited partners, and he took their money and was able to borrow additional money from his broker and uh, pioneered short selling. And he was able to make bets that uh, were in companies he really liked and thought would go up, as well as make bets on companies he thought were uh, growing too quickly and likely to fall. Also, Warren Buffett is credited as being one of the first hedge fund style managers because in the early Buffett portfolios, he was taking concentrated bets on a small number of companies, borrowing money in order to make those investments, and provided um, limited transparency to his investors, like many hedge funds. But the hedge fund industry was quiet for about 20 years. Industry groups like HFR, which reports hedge fund returns, and other indices only really started in 1990. So the modern-day era of hedge fund information is really from 1990 to present. Most of the data regarding the early pioneers in hedge fund investing is no longer available or no longer exists.
1: Very interesting. So. So tell us, there are about 10,000 hedge funds today. Is that about the same number as five years ago, or are they doubling every other year? Uh, what has the growth been like?
2: Well, hedge funds reached a peak around 2007, just before the market crash. Uh, going into that period of time, 2006, 2007, yeah, you, know, you always had more new managers than managers closing. And, ma- and they, they peaked at around 8,000. In 2007. After the market crash, we started to see many more managers close than new managers launch. And today, they, we've creeped back up so that we have a total universe of about 8,500 hedge fund managers and about 1,500 what we call fund of fund managers. So those are managers who collect invest, investor money and then allocate it to 5, 10, 15 hedge funds. It's sort of a uh, an intermediary for hedge fund investing. So hedge funds by themselves, about eighty five hundred, up ten or fifteen percent from the market crash.
1: Okay, again, it is a very interesting uh, statistics here. So let's say uh, Kevin, a particular investor uh, would like to consider hedge funds, and I presume long short equity would be a good place to start. <clears throat> what what would they do? How would they get started?
2: You know, I think long-short equity is a good place to start because most investors are familiar with active equity management. But what you have to do is take your time. You have to work either on your own or through a trusted advisor. And what we, what I typically suggest, and I, and I outline in my book, is that you should take three to six months to evaluate monthly performance. You should receive a manager's fact sheet. You should evaluate his returns relative to his stated objective You should look at how his returns vary in changing market conditions. If the market goes up and he's a long short equity manager, did he make more or less than the change in the S&P 500? You want to look at the volatility. How much did the manager lose or gain each month and what was the worst case drawdown that the manager experienced during the period? You then have to start to consider other things like, who is the manager working with? Who are his service providers? So who values the portfolio? Who makes sure that the cash you gave to the hedge fund manager is where it's supposed to be? And because hedge funds can be unregulated or lightly regulated, it's important that you or your advisor investigate what choices the manager has made. This is another area where hedge mutual funds and liquid alternatives are attractive because the mutual fund industry is more regulated than the hedge fund industry and the manager knows that he has to keep his assets at a certain bank for custody, has to have a audited set of financial statements. So when you're doing your due diligence, you want to look at who the manager has chosen for these important uh, roles and responsibilities.
1: So, Kevin, tell us a little about event-driven strategies.
2: Event-driven strategies, yeah, as the name implies, are investments that have a very binary outcome. The investment either pays off a lot or loses a lot. So, for example, an activist fund, a risk arbitrage fund, a biotech fund. The manager is placing a bet or making an investment that a drug will get approved. If it gets approved, the prospects for the company go way up and the company's stock price jumps significantly. If the drug is not approved, you'd see the opposite effect. In a risk arbitrage, a manager may decide that a takeover that has been announced is going to, in fact, take place, so they'll buy the target company, wait six months for the acquisition to go through, and earn the premium, which is the extra over the current traded price of the target that the buyer was willing to pay. Premiums can range from as low as 3 to 5% to as high as 20 or 30%, depending on the activity. And the last of the activist funds, when the hedge fund manager takes on a more active role with the company, so he actually may lobby to get a board seat or two, may provide strategic advice to the company and say, hey, I think you should spin off this division. I think you should pay a higher dividend. And you find that if management adopts the hedge fund manager's suggestion, and they were the right ones, that the stock value gets released and people make a lot of money. On the other hand, if management rejects the approach of the activist fund, there have been several situations where you have hedge fund managers who get involved in real companies and try to direct them as to new behaviors, and management and the hedge fund don't see eye to eye, and and the investment turns out to be a loser for the manager and for his clients.
1: You know, what's interesting about this, uh, Kevin, is uh, each of those strategies that you've defined, especially the early ones, the, the long-short equity, the uh, the arbitrage, and uh, that third one uh, that I don't recall right now, but uh, they all are tr- trading market risk for manager risk. All of them can make or lose money in a good or a bad market. It's just a matter of the uh, event-driven was the third one I was thinking of. It's just a matter of the ability of the manager to call, to make the right call. It's not based upon a market. Whereas in for most investors, well, for any investor who is long only, their risk is a market risk, not really a manager risk.
2: That's a very sophisticated analysis. And, and in academic terms, what we would say is, Many traditional investments are all market beta, so they go up as the market goes up. Hedge fund managers are making very specific choices about what to own, long or short. They generate what's called alpha, return unrelated to the market. Sometimes hedge funds are referred to as absolute return vehicles, because if you look since inception in 1990 to today, there have actually been very few years where hedge funds as a whole have ever lost money. They tend to return an absolute return, more like a bond in some cases, than an investment in the equity
0: market.
1: And the dollars that these 8,500 plus or eight thousand five 1,500 hedge funds have today, are those dollars substantially more than they were in uh, 2007 when the same number of hedge funds hit hit its peak, or are they less today than they were then? The dollars invested.
2: It's substantially more, Charlie. We're at about $3 trillion. Going into the financial crisis, we we were just under $2 trillion. There was a big pullback in 2008 and 2009. So assets fell by about 25%. But since then, we've seen a steady march. In fact, what's happened is institutional investors, the really smart and savvy investors, Who have portfolio models and access to analytics they figured out this diversification benefit that hedge funds can deliver and we've seen an increasing rate of allocation such that today most hedge funds are managing institutional money more institutional money than individual money and because institutions demand lower fees and demand better infrastructure and service providers it, it benefits the individual investor Because hedge funds have really grown up since the market crash, and they've really established themselves as high-quality, complex, innovative sources of alpha and asset management businesses. So today, we're at $3 trillion.
1: So what's interesting about that to me is that what you are really emphasizing here. Kevin, is uh, very different from the mindset of most investors. Most investors see hedge funds as being go-go funds. They make big bets, they're high risk. When they're right, they're great returns, and when they're wrong, they have big losses. What you're saying really is that hedge funds are more of a risk diversifier, an asset diversifier, and a strategy diversifier, and they are really taking less risk, and they have perhaps lower returns, but they're getting those lower returns, or sometimes the same returns are better, with less risk. And that's why somebody should consider hedge funds is because of the lower risk, not because they hit home runs.
2: That's correct. One of the things I highlighted in the book is that if you add hedge funds to an existing stock and bond portfolio, you then get the optimal solution. Now, I'm not suggesting you replace stocks and bonds and eliminate those investments in favor of hedge funds, because then you're taking on only the risk. If you integrate your hedge funds and allocate some percentage, anywhere from five to 50%, depending on your risk tolerance, what you find is that the diversification effect On your portfolio is very favorable, so I think hedge funds make sense for diversified portfolios. Maybe even more so than as individual investments.
1: Kevin, hold that right there. We need to stop and take our final break here. We're talking with Kevin Mirabile, author of Hedge Fund Investing: A Practical Approach to Understanding Investor Motivation, Manager Profits, and Fund Performance. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, dot net, and we'll be right back. For today's financial minute, we're talking with Jason Wilder, Capital Management Group or CMG, out of Philadelphia. Jason, what do you have for us today?
3: Thank you, Charlie. One of the things I wanted to talk about today uh, actually is an impacts through uh, portfolio construction, and it's the idea of correlation within a portfolio. The idea of correlation is, you know, as if you have a lower correlating asset classes within a portfolio considered like a 60-40 uh, modern portfolio theory type of portfolio. The idea is that 60% of your portfolio will be in equities, 40% of your portfolio will be in bonds. When the markets start to sell off the bonds, Piece would uh, would be able to make up for the losses that you receive on the equity side. As we look back over time, we can see particularly now that correlations across all major asset classes over the last 15 years have started to shrink. The correlations are getting tighter, which means such, such as like a 2008 when the market starts to sell off, you're seeing sell-offs across all asset classes. So the natural idea behind portfolio construction now is to, inc- is to incorporate alternatives such as tactical strategies, oil and gas REITs, and take on that what's called an endowment model philosophy. So the idea is to have not just different varying asset classes, but to have varying investment philosophies and investment products all within the portfolio to help spread out the risk to increase the level of non-correlation or low correlation within the portfolio and help you weather uh, all the various market cycles that we see coming up in the near future.
1: Jason, you're preaching to the choir on that one. Great advice. We appreciate it. And if somebody wants to learn more, how do they reach you?
3: You can reach me via email at jason.cmgwealth.com, or you can call me six one zero nine eight nine nine zero nine zero 610-989-9090, extension 120.
1: Okay, and again, the website? Uh,
3: www.cmgwealth.com.
1: Very good. Jason, thank you very much for some very sound advice. Great you,
3: Charlie. And now back to Charlie and some more sound advice as we wrap up today's interview.
1: Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Kevin Mirabele, author of Hedge Fund Investing. So, uh, uh, Kevin, a couple of questions here. Question number one, what do you think you have learned by writing this book about hedge funds?
2: What have I learned? I, I think I've learned that it's, it's important to look at hedge funds from a holistic perspective. You have to look at their strategy, their business management skill, their service providers, not just returns.
1: Very interesting. Uh, uh, Most advisors would disagree with you (laughs) and say that the client agrees with that in theory, (laughs) but in practice, (laughs) they want to see those returns here. Uh, But but I certainly understand what you're saying, no question about it, Uh, especially in regards to the amount of risk that is taken on. Uh, the second question we'd like to ask, and this is a question we always ask of our guests here, what keeps you awake at night?
2: You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I guess I would have to say that you know, I do fear that, in general, people aren't saving enough, that there's too much debt, gridlock in Congress. Yeah, you know, a number of issues that kind of cause people to take a very short-term view when it comes to their investing. And I think news travels so fast and gets amplified so often that relatively small items that have short-term consequence tend to cause people to make big actions. I'm going to sell my portfolio because a piece of news came out about the emerging markets this week. And I worry that that's not healthy for the markets. If investors take a long-term view and allocate their assets appropriately, then I think the markets would be a little less volatile, a little more stable. So I do worry about uh, in this increased information age that we have overreaction to information that sometimes hurts uh, ourselves and, and our investment decisions.
1: Yeah, no question about it, and uh, the world of finance and investing is not the only part of the world that's impacted by those uh, sociological changes and demographic changes here, uh, unquestionably. So tell us, uh, give us the website of your book and those interested, uh, how they would follow up here.
2: Sure, it's really simple. You can go to the publisher's website, Wiley.com, simply type in my last name Mirabile, M-I-R-A-B-I-L-E, or keyword hedge fund investing. You could also go to any major uh, uh, retailer such as Amazon or Barnes & Noble and type in the title of the book, Understanding Hedge Funds by Kevin Mirabile.
1: Okay, very good. And so what final words do you have uh, for our listeners here today?
2: I guess I would just ask people to uh, remember or recognize that you know, hedge funds are tools that can help preserve and grow wealth when used properly, that the environment and the available information is rapidly changing. So investors who take their time to understand this asset class can certainly benefit. And those that who, who are unable or maybe unwilling to take the time, you know, perhaps this is not an asset class for them.
1: Excellent advice. We appreciate that. So, Kevin Mirabile, thank you very much for Joining us today, author of Hedge Fund Investing, a practical approach to understanding investor motivation, managing, manager profits and fund performance here on Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Again, we encourage you to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and visit our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, Strategic Investor Radio. This is Charlie Wright, very pleased you've joined us today, and we wish you enjoyable and productive investing. Thank you, Charlie. My pleasure.
0: You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.